0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. All right, good morning, Real Life. How you doing? Well, I got to tell you, I love uh, Pastor Sean and his wife, Diane, and... uh, I love this church, and I love this community. It's not a normal thing that pastors would work together. Um, In fact, I tell people, can you hang on to this, bro? Because I'll I'll throw it off of the pulpit by accident. But uh, it's not very often that you see uh, churches work together, and churches can sometimes be the most competitive uh, places in town. And I don't believe that that should be true. I, I don't believe that we should compete, but I believe that we should complete and I believe that the kingdom of God is better because of real life coming to town. And my wife and I have been working in this community for over 21 years trying to win people to Jesus. There's 99,000 people in the county of Cass County. They need Jesus. And we, we need more churches like Real Life and LifeQuest that will be open-handed. Amen? And so um, I'm excited about being here. What if the church loves Jesus? KC, let me tell you a quick story. Um, I love cul-de-sacs. How many of you uh, live on a cul-de-sac? Anybody live on a cul-de-sac? Okay, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to live on a cul-de-sac. And the reason why I wanted to live on a cul-de-sac is because um, I would know who's coming down the street. You know what I'm saying? I live in the country now, so I don't have to worry about uh, people coming down my street. Okay, you know what? We don't have ADT uh, in, our, in, our, um, in our neighborhood. Uh, our uh, al- our alarm system does not sound like this when you open the door. Beep beep beep. It sounds like this. <laughs> we call it a decision maker. All right. I believe in gun control. I have a gun and I will control you. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Get that right. So I always wanted to live on a cul-de-sac because I thought, you know what? When we have kids, oh, and I got to tell you about that. Hold on. I'm getting excited. When we have kids. Uh, They'll be able to play safely. Let me tell you, I forgot to tell you about my wife because she's not able to be here. She's serving at our church this morning. My wife and I are going to celebrate 25 years of marriage um, on the 24th of July. Yeah, and you'd be clapping even harder and standing ovation for her if you knew really how I am. (laughs) Okay, because she had to put up with me. Okay. And we have three boys, um, Garrett, who will be 23 this uh, the 19th this coming week. Uh, He's a police officer. Um, And then uh, Blake, who is an engineer in Charlotte, he's 21 and is engaged to be married. Both of our older boys are engaged to be married. In fact, Blake and Elena are getting married at a destination wedding. I'm going to marry them in the Cayman Islands on uh, the 1st of August, so that'll be fun. And then um, our 15-year-old is not engaged to be married yet. And he thinks he's dating a girl, but he's not really dating a girl. And I'm convincing him that it's not really dating, that it's just hanging out with the girl. Can anybody feel my pain? (laughs) All right. So uh, I love my family and I love um, what God is doing. I wanted to live in a cul de sac, though, because it was quiet. And here's the problem. The problem with churches these days, and it's not just LifeQuest, and it's not just real life, okay, but the problem with churches in America, at LifeQuest, we talk about the American church. The American church are what people, what I consider, um, people that call themselves Christ followers, but they, they don't really connect with Jesus. They know about Jesus, but they're not really connected to Jesus. And, 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 and when I was m- writing this message a couple weeks ago, I thought, oh, there it is. There are what's called cul-de-sac churches. If you're taking notes, write this down. There are two types of churches. There are cul-de-sac churches. Let me tell you about cul-de-sac churches real quickly. Cul-de-sac churches um, have a what's-in-it-for-me mentality. Now, I found out y'all have messenger coffee here. So one one lady met me, and she didn't know who I was. She goes, oh, is this, how long have you been coming here? I said, this is my first Sunday. But if it's real good, I'm going to leave my church and come here. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know who I was. <laughs> cul-de-sac churches have this consumer mentality man i hope their children's ministry is really good for me i hope the preaching is really good for me i hope the music's really good for me cul-de-sac churches they try to do things in their own power cul-de-sac churches they they are more in love with themselves than and their privacy than jesus and his ways and I know that real life is not a cul-de-sac church. Cul-de-sac churches don't go out and serve the community. Cul-de-sac churches keep us four and no more. Well, the church is getting real big, and, 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 you know, we used to sit over there toward the back, and I don't know who that family thinks they are. Honey, what time do you think they got here this morning? I don't know. Well, next week we're going to get here early, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to print out on my new printer that I got from, from Sam's Club on sale for $79.99. And then you got to buy the cartridges for $99.99, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to let them know this is our church, and that's my seat. There's always plenty of seats on the front row. You ever notice that, Pastor Barry? There's plenty of seats on the front row. Listen, cul-de-sac churches only care about themselves. But this is what I believe real life is. This is what LifeQuest is and we want to be, and we don't want to ever slip into being a cul-de-sac church. We want to be a Jesus-centered, people-focused church. Let me tell you about Jesus-centered, people-focused churches. Number one, they ask this, how can I reach and serve others for Jesus? They have a contributor mindset. Hey, not what can I consume, but hey, what can I do? How can I help? In fact, if you've been coming to this church very long, see, being, being the guest pastor, I can say a bunch of stuff and you'll get mad and I don't care because you can't fire me because you're not in control of my pay and, you're not, you know, and I just go on my way. And if I make a real mess, Pastor Barry and Pastor Sean have to clean it up. <laughs> but let me just say this. If you've been coming here for longer than six weeks and you know Jesus, you need to jump in and serve. You need to go to the dream team meeting today for the next step because this is not about what you can get out of this. You will get more out of something when you serve. When I'm working with people, I'm working with a buddy right now. He's got cancer. He's out serving all the time. He can barely make it because he's doing chemo treatment, but he's out serving. Check it out. Jesus-centered. Jesus, folk, um, people-centered churches that are focused on people try to do everything through the power of Jesus, and they they're more in love with Jesus than they are their own waves and their privacy. So this morning we're going to learn about a story in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter nine. So if you have a Bible, turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter nine, verse fourteen. Now I would read my Bible. All right, I do have my Bible up here. I would read it. The problem is that on, Monday mor- on Friday morning, I was up early, and I was doing some studying uh, for some meetings that I had, and I went and opened up my glasses, and at the bridge, they just crumbled right in my hand. I was like, what? <laughs> just happened. They just broke. And so when I went to the, the eye doctor to find out what happened with my glasses, the people that saw my glasses, they're like well, these are plastic frames and you don't keep them in extreme heat, do you? I'm like, no, like you mean like keeping them in your car all night for the last two years? No, I don't do that. Who would do that? So I will be reading from my iPad, but I've got my Bible. Mark chapter nine, verse 14. You have a Bible? Turn to Mark chapter nine, verse 14. If you have it on your app, you can turn in there the used version. Mark chapter nine, verse 14. Here we go. And when they came... To the disciples. Now, let me just explain something here. The disciples had just came off of the Mount of um, Transfiguration. They had just been with Jesus. They had just seen some of the most amazing things they'd ever seen. And they came down, um, and when the crowd came to Jesus, they saw um, this great crowd around them and the scribes, the religious people, arguing with them. Listen, the only problem that I have problems with, the only people that I ever have problems with in the church world are religious people church-going people that are church-going people and religious people, but they're not Jesus people. There's a difference. And Jesus always had problems with religious people. And immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, they saw Jesus, they, it says they were what? They were greatly amazed, and they ran up to him and greeted him, and he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Now here's what's cool about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus will ask a question, like my wife asks me a question, but she knows the answer. So like I'll be sitting in the recliner downstairs watching some Chicago PD, all right? Or, or you know, something like that, okay? And I like the action shows. And then I'll be watching something, and she'll be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, and then like I don't even have time to answer the question. She goes, aren't you supposed to be out doing blah, 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 blah? And I'm like, why'd you just ask me what I'm doing? <laughs> Woman, you can see I'm set here with my shoes off and I'm propped up and I'm watching the television. <laughs> but she asks a question and she knows the answer. Jesus always asked questions, but he knew the answer and he knew the motivation. Check it out. What are you arguing with them about? And someone from the crowd answered him. Now watch, the whole tone is gonna change. Teacher. I brought my son to you. Now stop. I'll tell you something. As a father, and you know this if you're a dad, if you're a dad, raise your hand, okay? You know that if your son or daughter needs something, it doesn't matter how old they get, you will be there. Whenever I hear that an officer has been shot these days, and I know my son's schedule, I know when he's on duty, my heart drops, and I pray, and, and, and I would do anything for him, and this guy's son is sick and has some issues, and he speaks up in the midst of the crowd. He's not a religious peop- person, and he speaks up in the midst of the crowd. And he said, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, and, whoever, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and, and grinds his teeth and, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not what? Able. Now here's what you need to know. The disciples tried and tried and tried. But here's what you also need to know. Back in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus had given the disciples power. Check it out. And he called the 12, and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over what? The unclean spirits. But they tried. But they tried, just like a cul-de-sac church does, they tried in their own power. And when we try to do something to do it in our own power. We try to serve this community in our own power. We try to love this community in our own power. We try to live our marriage in our own power. It never, ever works. Ever works. Verse 19. And Jesus answered them. And when Jesus spoke, you listened. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And the spirit saw him and immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. Now, come on. If you're a parent and your child has had an issue since childhood that literally is going to kill him or her if they're not healed, wouldn't you do anything to get your child healing? You would do anything. That's why I love about that song, The Reckless Love of God. That's one of my favorite songs because there's no wall that he won't kick down. And at LifeQuest, we like to go, there ain't no wall he won't kick down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I didn't have these tight jeans on, I could go up higher. Come on, Barry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there ain't no wall he won't kick down. No uh, mountain he won't climb up. I'm not the singer, so that's why they have me preaching, okay? <laughs> but you know why? Because as a father, listen, as a father, I would climb up any mountain And I would knock down any wall to get healing for my boys and for my wife and for my family. I want you to notice something. A cul-de-sac church would have done this. If the boy would have been in a church service and he would have been convulsing in the back, somebody would have been looking around like, hey, can somebody take that boy out into the lobby? And then... One of you would have been looking like cul de sac churches, people would be looking at security going, hey, hey, radio to the police officer and get EMTs here. But get him out of here because I'm trying to worship. You know what a Jesus centered, people focused church would have done? They would have stopped the service. And the elders would have gathered around him like in James that commands us. And the elders would have laid hands on him and prayed for him. And the people would begin to pray and to ask the father, how can we help you? Can we get you some water? Can we help you? But a cul-de-sac church is more concerned with their comfort and you're interrupting my hour because I only give God an hour, but it's a big deal in my life because I give God an hour. But if it goes longer than an hour, then I got a problem. You know, this father had been praying for his son since birth. Look at verse 32. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, listen to what he says. Have compassion on us and help us. Oh, this is so cool. I don't know about you. I'd have been like, don't have compassion on us, have compassion on me and my son. But the father said, have compassion on us. It changes it because if you're a cul-de-sac church, you'll be like, have compassion on me. My Jesus, my life, if I'm fine, everything's cool, I'm good. Jesus-centered, people-focused church would have been like, you know what? Have compassion on our whole community, Lord, for they all need Jesus. They all need healing. How many would agree that this dad needed a breakthrough? Raise your hand. Would anybody, you, would anybody disagree? You, okay. This, this guy needed a breakthrough. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus will continually allow us to face situations that are greater than we can handle. Jesus will allow, will continually allow us to face situations that are greater than we can handle. And what happens in a cul-de-sac church is a cul-de-sac church will say things that aren't even in the Bible. Like, you know, brother, God helps them to help themselves. So if you need help with your addiction, don't you want to help yourself? That's not even in the Bible. In fact, God helps them to help themselves is the opposite of the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ is you and I could not help ourselves and we were desperate for Jesus. But the lie we believed is God, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's a lie. The Bible says God wants to put you in places to where you are face down and you can't do it anymore. And maybe that's where you are in your marriage today. You're like, I've been trying to do this, and you know what? I can't. In 26 years of being a pastor, I've talked to... I don't know, I'd say hundreds, maybe thousands of, of couples have gone through marriage stuff, and even my wife and I, and the marriage stuff we've gone through, and my wife and I faithfully um, will go to a counselor. We've got a counselor, Ken Howard, and he's awesome, and I recommend counseling. And I'll talk to somebody who's been going through some marriage problems, and they'll be like, yeah, um, we've just been really working on our marriage, but I don't think it's going to work out, Pastor. And I'm like, well, how many times have you been, how many times have you been to the counselor? And they're like, three. How long have you been married? 30. Oh, yeah, three one-hour sessions should handle that. Okay. (laughs) You can't get rid of anything in three one-hour sessions. It's going to take some work. And this guy needed a breakthrough. And I'm telling you, if you need a breakthrough, you're going to have to lean into God because God will put you in situations that you can't handle so that he gets the glory, not you. Listen, I'm so proud of this church and I'm so proud of Pastor Sean and Diane and what you guys are doing. But listen, Satan hates with a capital H-A-T-E-S what you're doing and he's going to try to cause division. Do not let him cause division in this church. Stand up for the vision that God has given you. Stand up and work out conflict and know that Tough times will come. I'm telling you, in 15 years of starting LifeQuest, there's been more days that I wanted to quit than wanted to stay at it. Don't quit. Cul-de-sac churches quit. Cul-de-sac churches get comfortable. Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused churches get on their knees and ask God to bring healing to their situation. I love the scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. So remember, Jesus can do what is impossible for man. Have you ever seen it in your life? Raise your hand if you've seen God do the impossible. Amen. Look at the rest of the passage. Immediately, the father father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love this picture because it's so beautiful. The guy says, I believe, but I've got some doubts. Listen, as a pastor, I've got doubts. Oh no, we should get a hold of his board if he's got doubts <laughs> and he ain't perfect. Let me tell you something every single pastor I've ever met has doubts. Don't be afraid of having doubts, bring them to Jesus. He said, I believe but help my unbelief because there's some areas that I have unbelief in. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said, he's dead. Way to go, Jesus. You killed the guy. Go home. And you know, it'd be like at the baseball game when you think your team is losing and you leave. And the next day you're like, How did the Royals game go? And you're like, They lost. And they're like, Well, that's not what I heard in the, on the radio. They went to like 11th innings and, and they took it out and they won. But see, you don't know if you don't stay through the whole thing. He wasn't dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, listen to it. Why could we not cast it out? You gave us power back in Mark chapter 6, verse 27. You told us that we could have the power. Why could we not do it? I remember one time, one time, I was trying to drink a Gatorade, and I was so thirsty. I was drinking this Gatorade. I went to go open, you know, the little twisty tops that I'm talking about, just a little, like that. Everybody do that. All right? You just twist it, just one, not like you unscrew the whole thing, okay? And I went to go drink that thing, all right, the blue kind, like, like the raspberry, mm. <sighs> it's not as good as coffee, but it's almost. And nothing came out, I'm like, fid- fidgeting with the cap, nothing came out, and I found out what was wrong. I had to take the cap off because they have a seal on there. And the seal was keeping me from having a breakthrough with my Gatorade. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Listen, you're about ready to see the seal that's keeping a lot of us from having a breakthrough, from moving from a cul-de-sac church to a Jesus-centered, people-focused church. Here it is. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but what? Prayer, there it is. Prayer. Prayer. Here's the big idea if you're taking notes today. Your breakthrough, my breakthrough, is not connected to your ability or my ability, but is to connected to God's power working through you. let will say it again. Your breakthrough and my breakthrough is not connected to your ability, but to God's power working through you. And I'm telling you, listen, church, real life church, If you want to see God continue to do amazing things, get on your knees because the work is done through prayer, nothing else. You can have everything cool. You can be cool. You can act cool. You can hang out with Barry, all right? And he'll be cool when he starts drinking coffee and Pastor Sean starts drinking coffee. They'll be cool, but cool won't get it in spiritual warfare. You need to get, like my mentor said, and he went home to be with Jesus a year ago, And I did a service, Pastor Dan Erickson. You need to get on your skinny little knees and you need to ask God for a miracle. We need to ask God that more churches in this city would join together and stop competing and we would start completing. Prayer is to change Prayer catapults us. I love what Richard Foster said. Prayer catapults us into the frontier of the spiritual life. If you want to see God continue to do incredible things here at Real Life, get on your knees and pray first. Listen to me. Pray first of all for your pastor and his wife and his family and the staff. Because that's who Satan wants to take out first. You're like, well, Satan doesn't really mess with me. Listen, if you're not doing anything and sharing your faith and growing in your faith and your marriage isn't really growing and you're just kind of stale, that's where Satan, Satan ain't going to mess with you. He's not going to dispatch any demons. But you let a church move into town that starts winning people to Jesus, Satan's like this. Demon one and two, demon one and two. Where are you at? Yeah, we're hanging over here in Leewood. What do you need? Get over to Belton, Missouri, Kentucky trail all right, 10-4, we're there. You start doing something big for God and you allow God to do a breakthrough in your life, Satan will be at your front door and he'll be knocking and he'll know your garage code and he'll come in and have some milk out of your refrigerator and he'll be sitting there when you get home. And I'm telling you, the only way we're gonna win this this city to Christ, and I believe we could win 99,000 people to Jesus, is if we came together as churches in prayer. Where do you need a breakthrough? Here's what I want to do. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. And that's not the spiritual. That's just you and God focusing. Lord, I pray in this moment. God, I pray that you would help us to step into that decision that you want us to make. God, I pray that you would help us to step in to that choice, that, that change of the way that you want us to live our lives. God, that we would ask the question, why aren't things changing in my marriage? Why isn't this happening? And we would listen to the soft spirit of God, the Holy Spirit whisper to us, this kind doesn't change except through prayer. Here's what I want you to do with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There are some of you here today that you need a breakthrough. You've never accepted Christ. And I'm telling you, from from one broken sinner to another, the greatest thing you could do in your life is to receive Christ, to ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And if you've never done that, I want you to pray this prayer right to yourself right now. Right to yourself. Say, Jesus, I need a breakthrough. And today, for the first time, I ask you to come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I want you to be number one. I want you to be the leader in my life. I want to depend on your power and not mine because doing it my way doesn't work. So I receive what you did on the cross over 2,000 years ago. The blood that was shed for me. I receive Jesus right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around. This is just between you and God. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to slip up your hand. No one looking around. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to slip up your hand really high because I want to pray for you. All over the auditorium, if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Awesome. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to take out the connection card. Look right up here at me. Everybody. I want to encourage you to take out the connection card. If you prayed that prayer, maybe you're scared to raise your hand. I get it. Like you'd be afraid if you raise your hand the guest pastor might like point you out. Hey, you in the red shirt, you in the No, I'm not going to do that. We don't do that. But I want you to take out your connection card. I want you to fill it out and there's a box on there just that little heart like where you can my decision today. I'm I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to I'm going to recommit my life. Whatever your decision is, I want you to mark it on there and drop it in the offering. And then I would love for you to go to the Next Steps booth and connect with some folks that can help you. Here's my challenge to real life. Look at me. My challenge, if you want a breakthrough, oh, why can't we do that? Listen to the words of Jesus. That only happens through prayer. Not little prayers about, God, help me, help me, help us, help us, have a bigger checking account, a bigger house, a bigger car, help us have, no. Prayer. Prayer for people that are lost in this community. Prayer that if they die without Christ, they will not make it to heaven. Prayer. Your breakthrough is one prayer away. It's one prayer away. And I want you to keep doing what you're doing. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.